For first-time horse owners and new riders, finding the information and support you need can be challenging. Luckily, Equine Network has partnered with Sentinel and Absorbine to bring you MyNewHorse.com as your one-stop shop for easy-to-understand horse care information and guidance. Visit MyNewHorse.com. You're listening to Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. (laughs) Welcome to Sleep Stories for Equestrians. I'm your host, Ashley Winch. We're so happy you're here to relax and unwind. If you fall asleep and miss the story, we will recap it at the beginning of the next episode. We've also selected and edited these stories for ultimate relaxation, removing any stressful bits without affecting the story's integrity, so you can focus on drifting off to sleep. With that, let's settle down and prepare for our story. The gates are closed, the horses sleep, the day's work done, the chores complete. Now let us rest, our bodies and minds, drift off to sleep, and close your eyes. It's time for us to turn down for the night. Now let's breathe in, breathe out, and turn off the light. One more time, breathe out, breathe in. Now let us begin. In our last episode, Misty finally delivered her foal in the dark of the night. The Beebe's just received this wonderful news. Let's see what's happening on Shinkatig at Pony Ranch. Chapter 19 Glory Hallelujah Paul turned from the telephone and let out a war whoop loud enough to break the sound barrier. He grabbed Maureen and they pulled Grandpa between them and went dancing around the kitchen table, lifting their knees high, bugling like wild horses. It was a free-for-all frolic. Grandpa was suddenly himself again, spry-legged and bellowing. Grandma laughed in relief. She dropped her spoon in the pancake batter and half ran to the organ. Recklessly, she threw back the lid and, with all stops open, made the notes thunder and throb as she sang in her full-bodied voice. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Around and around the table marched the three babies. Skipper burst into the house, joining the dance, howling to the music. At last, Grandpa had to sit down, and Paul and Maureen fell limp and exhausted on the floor. Grandma turned from the organ, her eyes crinkled with joy. She clapped her hands for attention, then chanted, Come day, go day, God send Sunday. 
And where do we go today? She asked. To Pokemoke, Maureen burst out. But before that, where and who do we think today? Misty, Paul shouted. But he grinned as he said it, knowing exactly what Grandma had in mind. Grandpa twisted uncomfortably. Me and him, he said, scratching Skipper behind an ear. We got to clean out the truck and do a passel of things. We'll just do our church in while we work. Clarence Beebe, you will do no such thing. Today is a shining special day, and we won't argify. To church we go, as a family. Promptly, at 9.45, the truck, now clean as water and soap could make it, rattled out of the yard with Grandpa and Grandma sitting dressed up and proud in the cab, and Maureen and Paul in back, feet dangling over the tailgate. The sun was shining for the first time in a week, and the sky was a luminous blue. Seems almost like it's Easter, Maureen said. Seems different from other Sundays. Wonder why? Cause we're wearing shadow rolls over our noses, just like racehorses. Unconsciously, Maureen felt of her nose. Can't you see, Maureen? We're not even looking at the houses with their porches ripped off and mattresses and things drying in the sun. We're seeing bigger. Like what? Paul looked up, like that flag flying over the firehouse, painting stars and stripes on the sky, and the sea smiling and cheerful as if it'd never been nasty mean. Maureen nodded, and even if houses are all bashed in, Paul, you hardly notice them for the clumps of daffodils. It was true, the world seemed reborn. The blue-green water of the bay was unruffled and washing softly against the drift. Gulls were gliding on a seaward breeze with scarcely a wing flutter. And here and there, in all the mud and muck, hosts of yellow daffodils were nodding like spatters of sunshine. Up in front, Grandpa and Grandma were feeling the same joy. The storm sure bloomed the place up, Grandpa said. Grandma sighed in deep contentment. Takes a wrathful storm to make us appreciate Bonnie weather, doesn't it? As the Beebe family took their seats in the rapidly filling church, the men of the Coast Guard filled the front rows. Paul, Grandpa whispered loud enough for the whole congregation to hear. There's Lieutenant Lippum. He's the one who rescued you the day you snuck over to Assateague and your boat drifted away. The lieutenant turned around, smiling broadly. Paul's cheeks reddened. 
Maureen had secretly brought the birth announcements to church so that she and Paul could fill in the hour and date, everything except for the name. But they never even opened the package. From almost the beginning of the sermon, they leaned forward, listening with every fiber. The earth is the Lord's, a deep voice of the preacher intoned. He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. And just by listening to the resounding voice, Paul and Maureen could see God commanding Noah to build the ark, big and flat-bottomed, and they could see the floodwaters rising and the animals marching in two by two. God is in the rescue business, the preacher's words rolled out, and every believer is a member of his rescue force. Today, we pay special tribute to the United States Coast Guard. In the sight of God, men who do not know the harbor of his love are like men lost at sea, grasping for something or someone to save them. The church is God's rescue force, just as the Coast Guard is the government's rescue force. The preacher half closed his eyes. On Thursday night, he said, when the last of the refugees staying here in our church had been taken to their homes or to the mainland, I walked down the streets and saw the havoc and the emptiness of our once lovely island. Yet, no Shinkatiger had lost his life, and I paused to thank God. Then I came back to the parsonage. All was dark and quiet. I was alone. Darkness was all around. Then a flash across the sky. The only light left shining came from the old lighthouse on Assateague Island. It was spreading wide its beam of hope and guidance. So it is when the lights of this old world are snuffed out and the storms of life would destroy us, the steady light of God's love still shines. As our great Coast Guard keeps the light flashing from the lighthouse, so it is our task to keep our lights burning here at home. Let us sing. Paul and Maureen were almost sorry when the sermon ended. They rose with the congregation and sang as lustily as Grandma. Even Grandpa made his lips move as if he knew the words. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore. But to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Just as the final amen faded, the preacher was handed a message. He read it to himself in apparent pleasure. Then he stilled the congregation. Friends, he said with a smile, 
I have an important announcement. He cleared his throat and glanced at Paul and Maureen before he began. On this day, in a stable in the city of Pocomoke, a foal was born. A tiny mare colt, he paused. Then he added, and her mother is Misty. There was a rustle as everyone turned to look at Paul and Maureen. Then smiles and murmurs of Misty, Misty from every pew. Quickly, the congregation moved out into the bright sunshine. Preacher Britton was greeting the members and Paul and Maureen, blushing in embarrassment, were standing beside him. Everyone was shaking hands with everyone else, hands that all week had lifted and scrubbed and prayed, now clasped each other in joy. It's the happiest news to reach Chincoteague in a week of terror, the very happiest. For once, Grandpa didn't bolt for home as if his house were on fire. He shook his hands heartily with the preacher. Reverend, he said, you just put one of the greatest sermons up that I ever heard. Come oftener, the preacher replied with a grin. Chapter 20 Home at Last After returning home from church, all of the BBs hurried into old clothes and went to work in a kind of happy frenzy. Everything needed doing at once. Paul crushed oats in Grandma's coffee grinder and mixed them with bran and linseed, all ready for the hot water when Misty came home. He filled the manger with good-smelling hay. He even washed the salt block. Wouldn't surprise me none if you licked it clean with your own tongue. Grandpa laughed as he went by with Nanny's kid tugging at his pant leg. In the kitchen, Maureen was sewing strips of tape on an old blanket. Every now and then she ran to try it on Grandma to see if the ties were in the right place. If it fits you, Grandma, it'll fit Misty. Grandma made a wry face. Reckon I should be complimented, she snorted, instead of laying my ears back. Beats me, she added as she wrapped jelly sandwiches in waxed paper. There's barely a speck of meal in the house for biscuits or bread, and scarce a dry thing to cover folks with. But there's always oats and bran aplenty, and a royal blanket for Miss Misty. Mrs. Misty, Maureen corrected. Grandma disappeared into her bedroom for a moment and came back with a shy smile. Here's my contribution, she said. Likely I'll have no more use for this soft baby blanket. 
with just a couple of safety pins to fasten it under her belly, it'll be just the right size for Misty's youngin. That long ride home will be kinda drafty for a newborn. By half past noon, Grandpa and Paul and Maureen were waving goodbye to Grandma and were on their way to Pocomoke City. To their amazement, the causeway to the mainland was jammed with a long procession of cars coming from Maryland, Delaware, and even Washington, D.C. Why in tarnation are they coming to Chincoteague today? Paul asked, opening up the lunchbox. I'll tune you if I catch you saying tarnation again, Grandpa scolded. Then he cackled in laughter. Ain't fitting except for an old feller like me. But why are they? Maureen wanted to know. Folks is funny, Grandpa mused. Some just naturally likes to waller and woe like pigs in a pen. Sure as shootin' they're comin' to gop at the wreckage and to take pictures of the boats on the streets and the soggy bedding and things drying in the sun. Curiosity folks, I calls them. A station wagon with a Maryland license flagged them down. Brakes screeched for a mile as cars behind honked in a mad chorus. A young man with a shock of red hair called out, How do we get to the BB ranch? We want to see Misty's colt. Grandpa stopped the truck and guffawed. News is out already? He asked in amazement. Yes, sir, Network had it on the radio, and my kids gave me no peace. Well, what do you know? Sorry, young feller, but you passed Plum Buyer. She's over to Pocomoke City, to Doc Finney's house. Grandpa drove on, chuckling. See, Maureen said. Not everyone comes to look at trouble. You're right, honey. Lucky thing your grandma stayed to home. She would have flew into the air hearing me talk like that. When they reached Doc Finney's place, the doctor, who had been watching from the house, came to meet them. With a welcoming smile, he unlocked the gate and motioned Grandpa to drive in and park alongside the corral. Then, without a word, he led the way. In absolute silence, the three BBs walked one after the other in a file behind him. They moved across the paddock as if it were hallowed ground. Still in silence, they eased up to the barn, and then, after almost a year of waiting, the moment had come. Unconsciously, Grandpa took off his hat and tucked it under his arm. Paul and Maureen stood on tiptoe, peering in without breathing. They were utterly still not wanting the scene to change. There, 
at the far end of the stall stood Misty. She eyed them dispassionately, as if they belonged to another world and another time. Like a bird brooding a chick, she was hovering over a wise little, fuzzy little, scraggly little foal. For a moment, the tiny thing took fright and leaned quivering against her mother, who made soft woofing sounds. Then, comforted, she nosed her way to Misty's teats and began nursing. Well, I never, Grandpa sighed in deep contentment. Them sucky-smacky sounds is birdier than a whole flock of meadowlarks. Maureen brushed away a tear. How could a creature be so young and breakable looking, and yet so spunky? Why? I feel like I'm its grandma, she whispered shyly. And hasn't it got the longest eye winkers and the curliest tail you ever saw? Paul whispered too. Look at that strange marking on her forehead. It's in the shape of a new sickle moon. I know, he exulted. That's because she was born in the time of the new moon. Grandpa stared. She's the onlyest colt I ever see with a merkin like that. Yes, Doc Finney said. There's nothing like her on the eastern shore. Likely not in the world, Paul said. After the colt had nearly drunk her fill, Misty came to the door and nickered happily, sniffing Paul and Maureen by turns. She's inviting us in, Paul said. Slowly, quietly, not to startle the little one, the babies went into the stall, and the gentlest of hands lifted her forelock that was only beginning to be a forelock. Here's a girl's got a head on her, Grandpa approved. There's enough Arabian in her to make that a pretty head. And ain't she marked up nice? Not a regular map on her shoulders like her mommy, but she's got her four white stockings. And her color is sorrel, like wings, Maureen said. Doc Finney looked at his watch thinking of the calls still to be made. Grandpa followed his glance. If and you'll excuse us, he said, we've got to hyper along now. Any last minute advice, Doc? For now, Doc Finney said, avoid bulky food for misty. Nothing too rich or hard to digest. How about oats and bran and linseed, Paul asked hopefully. Couldn't be better. And no need to remind you children that daily mucking out is a must. Grandpa nodded vigorously. And I told you so, twinkle in his eye. Right now, 
fair stall is the cleanest in the whole wide world, Maureen said proudly. With quiet confidence, she and Paul tied Misty's blanket in place for the trip back. Grandpa took the soft baby blanket and laid it upon the little one. Then he crouched down and lifted her up in his arms and carried her out, with Paul leading Misty alongside. As she approached the truck, Misty planted her feet and balked. Plain as day, she bellowed, I'm not getting into that thing without my baby. But when she found out that her foal was safely stowed in the cab in front, she hurried up the ramp, poked her head through the window, and nickered in relief. Doc Finney started to wave goodbye and then had a last-minute request. Mind driving by David's window? he asked. I had to put him to bed this morning with a case of old-fashioned measles. Poor lad hasn't seen the cold. He's heartbroken. Paul felt a prick of shame. I'm sorry, Doc Finney. I didn't even miss him. He reached into a pocket and pulled out a tiny wooden gull. I made it to sell to tourist folk, he explained but I want to give it to David instead. And someday, he added, warming to his own generosity, I might make a carving of Misty and her foal just for him. Grandpa drove home very carefully, avoiding ruts and bumps. He didn't want to jar the little filly who lay asleep across Paul and Maureen's laps her soft woolen blanket rising and falling with her breathing. Going over the causeway, they slowed to a crawl. One driver spotted Misty and put on the brakes so suddenly that his two children almost flew through the windshield. There she is, he shouted. Hey, mister, wait. Grandpa came to a stop grinning. He felt good toward the whole world. Want a picture? he asked. Do we? And now other cars were stopping and out popped dozens of children and dozens of cameras. Traffic stalled while shutters clicked on all sides. After a few moments, Misty began stomping and whinnying. There was a curious urging in her mind, a tremendous pull for home. Let's go, Paul said. Misty's getting nervous. Grandpa stopped picture-taking and drove on. And at long last, they were going down BB Road into Pony Ranch. Once the tailgate was lowered, Misty slow-footed down the ramp like a queen returning to her kingdom. Skipper, the official greeter, welcomed her in ten-foot bounds, jumping, rolling, and yelping in pure joy. And out of the marsh, 
wings added his voice in a great cry of triumph. Grandma rushed out of the house. Where's Misty's baby? Where? For answer, Paul and Grandpa lifted her out of the truck and carefully set her down beside her mother. She tried a little caper, lost her balance, and fell in a heap. Bravely, she scrabbled up again, then staggered to her mother and began drinking thirstily. Satisfied, she blew bubbles sending little beads of milk running down her whiskers. Misty wickered in contentment, home at last, she seemed to say, and she gave the little rump at her side a nip, ever so gentle and motherly. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sleep Stories for Equestrians. We hope that you are relaxed and can allow this music to carry you off to dreamland. <laughs>